Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Outer Sanctum is being recorded today on the lands of the Wadarong people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hello and welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and we are seven weeks into the AFLM and the usual suspects sit atop the ladder. We're still waiting on an official start date for the AFLW Season 7, so while we wait, let's chew the fat sanctum style. I'm pleased to be joined by my football-loving feminist folk. Take it away, Marjorie. Hello, it's Lucy Race here. It's Tess Armstrong here. Hello, it's Rana Hussain here. That was a little shout out to something I saw at Comedy Festival that made me cry with laughter where there was this performer who was amazing and she was pretending she was in a cabaret act and she'd say, and Felicia on the clams. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just enjoying this. The silliness of it. That was actually one of my highlights of recent times is I went to about 35 different comedy festival shows in Melbourne, which was absolutely amazing. But one of the things that I loved was there was um, Becky Lucas did this joke where she said in her festival show, you know, AFL umpires take a vow of celibacy, right? And everyone laughed. And then she goes, it's not true, but it feels true, doesn't it? And I love it when sport and art meet. That's just like my happiest, happiest place, especially when it's comedy. But I'm very keen to know how you guys are. What's tricks? Are you well, Tess Armstrong? I am well, Em. I'm actually um, enjoying Richmond's uh, current status of like, I'm going to call us an underdog. We've had a few losses. <laughs> an underdog. <laughs> underdog with the attitude of the overdog. That's right. Say. Which is a weird place for me to be in because um, the, other than baking, I have an overdog attitude with an underdog <laughs> capability. So I feel like it really fits me well. <laughs> Last night I said to someone, oh, I'll make a strawberry tart. And it was quite in depth and I'd never, I'd made it once before and I think I freakishly did it well. And it was such a debacle and I had to take it along, like still confident. And they said, oh, it tastes delicious. I thought confidence is everything, baby. And that's what the Tigers have got to remember. We've still got us in it. We're a strawberry tart waiting to be eaten. Emma Ray. You know how there's like <laughs> quiet achievers? <laughs> I feel like I've always been a loud underachiever. Same. It's like the worst combination of all of the things. It's terrible. Don't say you're going to bring something and then it's far under par. I go, oh, okay. Anyway, but fine. And very happy. My highlight of the weekend had to be the Saints and Jack Higgins. I loved Jack when he was a tag very much. He was a badge boy. And now I'm very happy for him to be over at the Saints, the team he grew up barracking for. He's looking so happy. He's playing great footy. When you're up and about, everything seems fun, hey? And go the Saints. Yeah. The Saints have really got us this season, haven't they? Like they're just on fire. Who knows what they can achieve? Lucy, what was your highlight? Well, just off the back of that, 
I am a huge fan of someone called Jack who can kick five goals. So my highlight was Jack Ginnivan for the Collingwood Football Club who kicked five goals against Essendon on Monday. And the thing that I really enjoyed was the unearthing of a football article about him when he was 11 years old and he kicked nine goals in a particular game to get 101 for the season playing for Newstead. I think they beat Trentham by <laughs> 75 to nothing, something like that. But I I love seeing those little flashbacks to kids when, you know, to footballers when they were, were kids. It reminds me of that photo that does the rounds of Ash Barty holding that little trophy all the time and it's a beautiful thing. I thought about that last night when I took some footage of my kids at tennis lessons. I was like, just in case they go on to be Venus and Serena, we want we want the it's like it's very unlikely, but I do have that in the back of my mind. Rana, do you take too many photos of your daughter in no. achieving things? <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's actually great visioning from you. I think that's what it takes. Those are the one percenters that you need to get your kid playing at Wimbledon. I don't have any hope for Pohawa. So maybe I need to get her Sorry, wearing together. a really cute dinosaur hat the other day. Maybe she'll be a paleontologist oh, yeah. and you'll be like, She's... she was always into dinosaurs. Yeah, that's definitely on the cards for her. But in my mind, that means she's going to be Indiana Jones. But I don't oh, yeah. think she will hope she's going to be in some lab somewhere. Um, but no, how and I, poor Howa has inherited my sporting ability. Um, <laughs> but I do love pictures of her in a little, in a little Tiggs jumper. I On Ginevan though, I have to say there's been so much talk about his attitude, which, you know, he told the Essendon crowd to shush after he kicked a goal. I love Haven't that Haven't we stuff. all told the Essendon crowd to shush <laughs> at some point? He who shall not tell the Essendon fans to snip it uh, shan't cast goals or whatever they say <laughs> in the Bible. Shush me once, pull on you. Shush me twice. Pull <laughs> <laughs> on you again. <laughs> I mean, I just I love an AFL media that jumps on and a player just doing their own thing. I loved it and I loved his five goals as well. That was almost my highlight. But, of course, for me, it is the Ds. It's very difficult because I don't like them in terms of what they stand for. <laughs> oh, and that's the end of the podcast. Let's end the pod there like today. Them. But I love them. <laughs> it's a very weird place to be. I think we talked about it on They Came to Play test that mm-hmm. they're kind of villains, aren't they? They're the villains of the competition in a lot of ways. Yet I go for them and I'm delighting in their prowess at the moment. So it's a weird highlight for me, but they just, I like a true Melbourne supporter, I doubted them the whole game against Richmond and then, of course, they put their foot down. Why do you and think they're the, villains? I think for me it's um, the white-collar, other side of the river vibes, private school, white, everything. Vibes. Sponsored by Jaguar, hello. And Aaron Williams. <laughs> I do yeah. always find this absolutely hilarious because I'm looking at you, Rana, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see your brown face and hear your private school <laughs> twang and your parents are doctors. I know it weirdly fits for me. Do you got any Aaron Williams? Oh, I think I'm better get onto it actually. But we have just planned a trip to the snow. coming for me. We love that about the Sanctum because you can be any and all things to any and all people, Ted. 
we discussed this, Rana and I, because we were debating about how weird it is when your team comes good and then they're the, they're the baddies and everyone, and it's very confronting when you're that. And we talked about Melbourne and part of what it is is that unlike the dogs, unlike the tigers, they have never said or pretended to be humble. And I actually think it is a lot to do, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it is a lot to do with breaking their history. They had to, as a team and as a club, say we are not these losers anymore, we are not that tanking team, this is our new generation where we're very, very good. Look at all our mm. awesome players. We're going to win a flag. We're going to do it. Max gone. I'm going to take that captaincy and I'm going to win us a flag. Mm. And he did it. And you can't do that at the same time as saying, oh, we're humble. We're just so grateful to be here. We're just so grateful mm. to get to play. Like they had to change the story. And to do so, they had to be really arrogant and they had to be really good. And they've backed up that being arrogant by being exceptional. We were so lucky on the weekend. We would have been flogged by 100 billion points. They are so oh, good. We'll see that this weekend with Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I, I, oh, in my household against Hawthorne, we're to, or still terrified. Don't. Hawthorne still yeah, us. We haven't beaten you for for years <laughs> no, now. No, but it's a, not a rational thought. Yeah. Really. All right, let's move on. I don't want to, um, I don't want to jump on this parade, but I do realise that now that we're uh, two hawks, a D, and a tiger, we are becoming <laughs> those people who are like, we all sit here and compare our favourite grand finals, right? So, which was your favourite premiership? Yeah, which exactly. was. Oh, it's got to be, it's got to be 2017, it's amazing, guys. That's worse than going to a private school. That's why I started with the Saints because it's their time, baby. It is their time and it's their time for the system to work for them to have their Mm. time and that's how the system should work. Now, that system is one that's been embedded and locked down by our um, outgoing CEO, Gillan McLaughlin. It's one of his legacy pieces, I think, that, you know, there's a system now with the draft and priority picks and with the way that teams are supported that we do share the love means that in just not very many years we will see the Gold Coast Suns hold the Premiership Cup above their heads. That's the way the system has been intended. But so since we last decided to pod, we did have a little cheeky week off. Gil announced that he's stepping down from the role as CEO. And it is kind of, it's it's a big moment, I think. Like it is a time to sit and reflect. I've got a lot of questions for you today. We're going to try and be not a one-trick pony, but a a one-issue pod. And just to give you some context, Gil started as the CEO in 2014. And ironically, I was thinking, gee, how the world has changed since then. In 2014, Paddy McCartan went number one in the draft. So we were all talking about him. Ebola was considered a global pandemic and there was unrest in Ukraine. So (laughs) the way things change, they just stay the same. He was, of course, made the CEO after he'd done two years serving as the vice captain to Andrew Dimitri and he kind of pulled some pretty major achievements over that period. But let's talk about his legacy and let's talk about if legacy is important. Lucy, you've got kind of a laundry list there of other things that Gil's achieved over the journey that some that we'll remember and some that we won't. Yeah, so some of the big ones is the broadcast deal in 2015. That was a media deal that was worth $2.5 billion over six years with seven Telstra and Foxtel and was followed up in 2021 with another $1.25 billion. So that was a very big, that's a big part of his legacy. And it's interesting that he is working on the next broadcast deal. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit later on, but that will be something that he will be wanting to get better down before he moves on at the end of this season. He bought a stadium, named it Marvel. <laughs> Not everyone can say that they've done that. But I think the two the two main things that will be talked about on the positive side of the ledger will be restarting 
the competition and guiding the competition through COVID. And our particular favourite is bringing forward the establishment of the AFLW. So there's some pretty big things. I thought you were going to say AFLX then. Yes, <laughs> me too. I was She's waiting setting for it, it up beautifully. Our favourite. <laughs> Our favourite. <laughs> On the other side of the ledger, yes, you are correct. There have been some, there have been some things that aren't quite as shiny. Although AFLX was pretty shiny. That's pretty much what it was. So there was AFLX. um, But there's also been some controversies. The Adam Goods, I hate to call it a saga or a controversy, Adam Goods situation. the the racism and the loss of him and and other players to to the league and to the game that we love is a big issue and i think that we're starting to see two other issues that of concussion and that of the inextricable links between football and gambling i think are going to be the big ones that we continue to grapple with and i know that we will continue to talk about you did also miss on the argentinian polo players and the au pair gate but oh, i'll allow okay. that and move to <laughs> I totally ask forgot you, about that. asking tess how important is legacy do you think this is an important conversation to have yes i guess and no uh, in a game, so a historic game and a, and a national game and our own game, he's a mere servant of the game. So he comes in and out, but the game is, as long as the game is still getting played on the weekend around the country, in country leagues, local leagues, and at the AFL level, then he's done his job, right? Because you're only a custodian of the game for as long as you're involved in it. And I think he actually said as much in his outgoing speech. He said he was proud to have been a servant of the great game. And there's so much to talk about. I don't think you can say what someone's legacy is when they're still the CEO. I think legacy only exists as to how we see it in 10 years. And this is probably a good media conversation, but it's really a list of things he's done. And is that what a legacy is, right? Isn't a legacy the way we feel about Mm. a thing? And I had to ask myself, how do I feel? Do I feel better towards football? The game, I've done nothing else in my life really except for watch football, is it? It's a, a couple of other things, but very little else. And I think, do I love this game more than I did in 2014? And weirdly, even with three Richmond flags and the AFLW, I don't think I do. And I don't think that's Gillen, but also that that's just where I sit with the game at the moment. We used to ask ourselves on this pod, what's our relationship like with footy? My relationship with footy is a bit fraught, and it's a bit fraught for a few of the reasons that Lucy raised there in the, in the other ledger. I think he's done a great job in terms of evening out the AFL competition. Do I think we've done a great job? and evening out the national, the strength of the local competitions, country competitions, not really. You know, there was a local primary school here and this is country Victoria, the home of the game. There's a local primary school, there's probably 60 kids, like it's a little primary school, not one single kid has any interest in footy. That to me is a really big alarm bell. You know, a school in the west of Melbourne, right? Completely different set of circumstances, but a whole heap of migrant kids not interested in footy. And to me, that is a big thing. Are these kids going to play footy going forward or is it just going to be boys that went to Kerry? And that's great for them that they get to play, but is the game going to be even and accessible and interesting and loved for generations to come? There's a really interesting point. We talk about legacy and we've just seen Erin Phillips announce that she's going to port. Now I see legacy, that makes me feel something. Yes. And and that certainly will make port fans feel something too. Rana, looking at the global state of sport and thinking about like those areas that Tess is talking about, schools where kids are not getting embedded into wanting to play footy, play Aussie rules footy, there's so many other um, 
distractions and so many global sports that are so shiny right now. You've just finished up at cricket. That's a massive one. We know that the rise of women's, the women's game has really impacted women's sport you know, globally, but when we're looking and comparing it with other sports, what do you see out in community? It's really, it's a very good question because I think COVID also has a lot to do with how participation numbers are counted and what participation looks like. But I think the next AFL CEO is going to have to really dig deep on participation because across the board, people aren't returning to community sport. Um, And the biggest competition really is devices and screens and all the other things you could be doing that just weren't even seven years ago weren't around so I think there's gonna have to be significant focus and a big part of then you know sport often talks about growth markets and they talk about that in audience but also participation and the growth markets really are women in culturally diverse communities and yet I don't see people or sport appointing leaders that can actually get under the hood of that and really get it in any real way that's going to make a change. So I genuinely question their commitment to those growth markets. I think that what we're seeing, we alluded to the conversation about the next broadcast deal and the fact that Gillen and Travis Alders are in the US speaking to Paramount Plus, I think indicates that awareness of um, streaming services and how how that part of the landscape has changed, and so I think there is it, there is an understanding that the relationships that people have with their devices is changing, and the way that we interact with everything with all manner of entertainment is changing. But it's interesting when you go back to Gillan's original speech when he became CEO in two thousand and fourteen. These were the things that he talked about, and just to quote him here, he said about the game, I have a clear vision of where I feel the game needs to go and how we're going to get there. For me, that vision is about having an unassailable hold on the Australian community in women and children as much as men. And success on delivering on this vision will ultimately mean three things, that we are truly national, we are truly representative, and we are truly connected to the community. I think they're the the things we're actually speaking about here. So in some respects, I, I think the objective's been there and I think we can see that even in, I know that AFLX is a joke to, well, it's it's the punchline <laughs> yeah. now, yes. right? Mm. But there's a part of me that, that really loves the fact that we have seen a leader that is creative and mm-hmm. is thinking about innovative ways of engaging people. And okay, so that didn't work and that wasn't right. And it's frustrating to see money wasted on that when we need money in other areas. But I wonder if, can you have a leader that creates the AFLW and brings it forward and has all of the vision and passion for that, that doesn't also have other ideas that may not hit the mark? I think it's also really hard. Like we talk about, you know, and Tess, you mentioned legacies, also how we feel. I think it's really hard Um, for the AFL in particular to get anybody to feel anything really because they're not a club or a star athlete themselves. They're the bureaucracy of it all. I do wonder, you know, what can we actually expect besides good business and governance from the AFL? And I guess that's where um, I get a bit cynical because I look at the way the AFL has been set up over the last, you know, 20 years and Mick Warner's book detailed this beautifully that 
you know, there are questions around the potency of um, the AFL commission and how the AFL is a kind of very top-down approach. And so that's the stuff that really disappoints me. I am an organisational psychology nerd. So of course I dig into that kind of conversation, but that's where I look at the AFL and go, oh, you haven't inspired me because while yes, there's an attempt to grow business, I haven't seen kind of inspiration in that way in terms of great governance or even really great values. Um, I've seen some really good um, marketing nows and business nows, but actually do you really stand for good values? I don't know. Um, and when it comes to the AFLW especially, Gillen does deserve credit for bringing it forward. Uh, it just needed to happen clearly. But I don't think of Gillen when I think of the AFLW. Like when I think about it and I go, oh, what an amazing thing that's happened, Gillen's face doesn't come up in my mind. Yes. And Rana, actually that interests me because this is what I mean by the list of things that happened the list of things that you did, I think the COVID recovery is something he really led. And that actually showed, first of all, great sense, great, there was a huge emphasis on health, well-being and what's good for the game and balancing the community's needs. And I actually think he did an exceptional job in that moment. AFLW, yes, definitely he brought it forward and that's great. But he wasn't the head of AFLW, Nicole Livingston is. And in terms of expansion into around the country, throw back to Gillen's first speech, I actually think he's really done what he set out to do, to make it a national game, to try and get into some growth areas like Western Sydney. That also begs the question, though, why didn't Northern Territory get a team yet? Why hasn't Tassie got a team yet, which may still be part of his legacy? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm Sam Mostyn and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. So I wonder then if when you're a leader of a big organisation like the AFL, whether your values rub off on the way that you manage and the way that you support. kind of goes back to Rana's concept of we think about the growth areas in the game are women and people from culturally diverse backgrounds that we could actually be tapping and that could be the growth area, but it's going to take someone who prioritises those things as the next vision. Thinking about some of the names, I do want to ask you, Rana, about the feedback that you got on the article that you wrote about dishing up some names for who could potentially take over from Gill. But one of those names was the Richmond, the current Richmond CEO, Brendan Gale. Two things occur to me about the conversation around Brendan Gale, and I think he's a really exciting prospect, but what I'm hearing is that if it's someone who comes from clubland, people from interstate, they're not going to push for that because they don't want a Victorian centric CEO um, heading up the AFL because they think that that doesn't work in their interests. But where it does work in someone's interest is potentially Tassie. And what would he do if he was, you know, if we think about the values and the alignment of the values, you know, if, will we see that as as one of his big flagship moves? And also, I think he is a pretty compassionate leader. But then the things that worry me is that under his watch, of course, Richmond let go of their VFLW team when things were a bit tight. And that makes me really 
concerned. So, Rana, when we talk about the article that you wrote, you you dished up a whole lot of names. What I imagine was you got a whole lot of pushback. What was that <laughs> like and what did it sound like? What what were people saying? Well, I haven't heard from some, so that worries me more than hearing from them, to be honest. <laughs> I did think, oh, was that a little bit of a grenade I just threw um, that I probably didn't need to? Uh, I, I guess one of the most interesting things that did come back to me was this question around, and it's been a broader conversation as well, that, you know, f- for the first time, I think really in any real way, there are a, a bunch of women's names floating around that list of people. And there is a prospect of could we have a woman CEO of the AFL? But the feedback that I have had is that that is still a token conversation and that actually that's more about the optics for the AFL of making sure we throw in, you know, we've got to have female candidates, but really we're probably not going to ever consider them. And so even a lot of women close to that conversation saying, I don't even feel that chuffed that you know, I'm in that list because I don't think that it's a serious conversation. One thing I forgot to add that I wanted to bring up was that every time they talk about Brendan Gale or other other men, especially when they talk about Gil even and Andrew Dimitri, they talk about how many games they played. So if automatically if you're talking about how many games someone played of this code at the highest level or at an amateur level or whatever, um, that's already going to cut out a bunch of women, right? So they would feel like tokens. They would feel like they're being their names being shopped around with no real intention. Is that what you're saying, that, that, that their feedback was? Yeah, I think that's the feeling from a lot of people that I've spoken to anyway. And I think the other conversation, like I think that point about the, you know, the games they've played is so crucial because really straight away conversation turned to people who are still very inside the bubble, which I understand and there's a degree of you have to understand the organisation, but I really don't like the idea that we can't consider people really outside of that because that happens all the time. People bring in CEOs who are really left to field or at least not within the industry because they can bring something fresh. Like I said, I'm an organizational psychology nerd and I therefore listen to every single thing Brene Brown does. And in her Dare to Lead podcast recently, which is a you know organizational leadership podcast, she spoke to a psychologist named Scott Sonnenschein who made a really amazing point about any kind of conversation on leadership today. Um, And I just want to read the quote. He said, the world is always changing. Now it's a racial reckoning and a pandemic. Before this, we had the 2008 recession and the dot-com boom. If you think you're going to come in and operate your business as if it's February 2020, you're going to get crushed. If you think you're leading the same workforce, people with the same mindset, the same mentality, the same desires and the same priorities, you are nuts. You have to change or get out of the way. There's no turning back. This is the big reset and that's where the hope and opportunity live. And to me, if I were the AFL commission, that's exactly what I would be thinking. I would be saying, right, we've done it the same way for a long time, but the world has drastically changed. Who are some different names or who amongst the groups that we're even looking at can show leadership on that caliber 
and I'm just dying to hear that conversation. But I reckon there's a huge problem with that because it won't happen because there was a quote from Gil when he said the AFL has so many mouths to feed and <laughs> when I think about the people in the inner circle and the people who the people who make money off this game, there are all this very tight, everything is pretty, there's so much nepotism, whether it's someone that you played with or someone you gave a hand up to or like the Venn diagram of them, they're all connected. You know, like if you think about how Craig Kelly got his start being a player manager, that was because he got the tap on the shoulder from a CEO of the AFL saying, we need someone to do this. And, you know, and all of a sudden he's got a multi-million dollar business on his hands. And, and then other agencies set up just with all of the other players that didn't go with him. Like there was, there's so many deals done that service the people who work and live in, in those people's nests that I reckon they're just going to keep eking it out for themselves because that's their future. That's their friend's future. That's their colleagues, the guys that they played footy with, like it's power structures at work, right? So I agree with that Brene Brown podcast. And I thought that that was exceptional and that's how we like to lead. And that's what we like like to see and and I think that that's how we push and we keep pushing but I just feel like I feel like footy and sport generally in this country is just like 50 years behind on those kinds of revolutions Tess I agree and I also think that Rana said there you know if she was the AFL commission like that would be good but also I think this <laughs> AFL commission would also counter that by saying we've just gone through this global pandemic we've clung mm-hmm. on by our little fingertips now is not the time for huge change now is the time to consolidate and then try and plan for the future. Now, I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go, but I think that is actually what they would be saying. We don't want fundamental change because we've just survived this. And it's tricky because I, this this whole conversation reminds me of that Twitter account that AFL is not the game. So Australian rules football and the <laughs> AFL are not the same thing. So what is good for the AFL is very different from what is good for Australian rules football. Australian rules football would be so much better off with outside voices, but the AFL doesn't invite outside voices. And one of the issues I think is that you definitely need someone who knows footy. I don't Mm. think you necessarily need someone who knows the AFL. In fact, I think they would be hugely refreshed by having someone from outside the AFL come in and we would all be refreshed to have that. But I think you need someone who knows football because we don't want to homogenise it and it be like sport everywhere mm. else or it's just like another organisation because it's not. It's our very special game that we love. But the issue with this that we've got is that we've got this clone effect, right, It's people who've been involved in the dealings that he has been involved in. So for continuation, they'd say, oh, we really want this to continue on because we're in the middle of a broadcast deal, right? Who's gone with him? Travis Alden, Andrew Dillon. So are we saying, well, either one of them is clearly going to be the next CEO because they're on this trip to do the thing that he says is meant to be his legacy. Like we already see what their plan is and it's to keep the inside people inside. But I don't see it changing. Is that too mm. nego, Rana? No, I, I I agree, and I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking for me. And I think even in writing that article, I was sort of hoping, if I'm honest, that it was just a little bit of a prod to mm. whoever is in the mix to say, okay, you are in the bubble, and maybe you're the you are the right person for the job. But how about you expand your own leadership then and consider that 
there's a whole bunch of things going on all the time in this world and that, you know, learn from the fact that Gillen, while such a great operator, according to Richard Goiter, has amazing values, couldn't even stand up in a conversation about racism. So, and that will, you know, forever be a blight on his term as AFL CEO. So to me, it's, I kind of want to say to the people in the mix, okay, go for it. But maybe when you pitch for this job, open your mind up a little bit more. It's a, it's a little like a a big ocean liner that I think it's going to take a really long time to turn around. When listening to to all of you speak, it's actually reminding me a little bit of election speak, which is why I've <laughs> gone quiet because I just fell off my chair and hid under the desk. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wonder, is it possible for one person to be the, the cultural change that you want to see in an organisation or do you need to, does it need more people to, to come in and, and have a different mindset? And when, you know, right at the start we were talking about how, how, it make, how football makes you feel and I'm similar to you, Tess, like I'm actually not loving men's football as much as I did um, 10 years ago, but I'm loving women's football in a way that it's filling a part that I didn't even know I needed filled. So it's mm-hmm. a whole other relationship that I'm having with football now. When I'm thinking about the kind of leader that I want in charge of the organisation that is the keeper of the code, I am looking to other examples like the pay deal for the women's football team in US, the soccer team. I'm looking to Barcelona where a 91,000 seat stadium was sold out twice in the past Mm -hmm. month for women's sport. And I'm hoping that there's a leader that is looking at all of those examples and then reverse engineering and saying, well, what can we learn from that? Because Mm -hmm. that's I hate to say blue sky thinking, but that is the big kind of blue sky thinking that I want to see. Mm. It's real and it will bring the financial um, bottom line. All of that will will be taken care of if we're made to feel welcome, connected and a sense of joy. That's what I reckon Mm. Brendan Gale does. I reckon that's what he did at Richmond and, and, you know, Tess and Rani, you're both nodding. I feel like that's, that's a great sign because I feel like he does make you feel. And then there's so many other CEOs, I couldn't even tell who their names are. And and I kind of like that too, to be honest. (laughs) I love it when I don't, you know, when you go, well, I'm looking forward to having an American president who I don't know what he's doing every day. I kind of feel a bit like that. I will play devil's advocate here and say it was brought to my attention, I think, by you, Rana, that currently with Travis Old and Andrew Dillon and Gillen all in the States, that Kylie Rogers is currently the CEO of the AFL. And I don't know that that's, that might be the first time that acting CEO has been a woman. And she's head of commercial, and that's what Gil was originally before he became Andrew Dimitri's vice I say vice captain, um, vice, vice president. president, Mr. Vice President, the VP, <laughs> VP AFL. VP, um, and, and I will also say that, and Tanya Hosh on the executive, I do, I do think that Gillen has diversified the voices that he hears from the people. And, you know, I do think that I have my own impression of the way that he works, which is he has a big idea and then he tells his people to go and do it. I don't think he's a micromanager. So I do think that people mm. like Tanya Hosh and Kylie Rogers, I think that they have a remit that they go and fulfil. We do see their fingerprints on on the game and on the way that the decisions are being made and deals that are being done. So I think that it's probably more diverse than it's ever been before, right? Mm. 
even in the way I've been speaking about it on this pod, I think the idea of, um, you know, growth versus progressive values are not mutually exclusive. And so I guess that's always my challenge to people when they have these conversations is that you can have something a little bit different that still delivers what you need from a business point of view. And Lucy was sort of touching on that earlier as well. But even to the, like I said, to the Andrew Dillon's, Travis Olds of the world who are going to do that job if they get it amazingly, but that they can also actually take on different things and new points of view. And to your point, Emma, around, you know, what if Richard Goethe's position was filled by some someone very different? I think that we saw a version of that at Richmond um, in this really successful era where Peggy Peggy's voice was very strong in a very different way to, I think, that club was used to. And I think that actually brought about some amazing changes. I think, I feel like that's the kind of golden mix or the secret sauce in a lot of ways. You know, you brought up politics, Lucy, in the same way that we need to have a conversation in terms of our nation's leader. I think because of the stronghold AFL has on business and our hearts, I'm, you know, whoever it is, I just crave a conversation about what kind of a leader should we have like what does good leadership look like um and you know what are those values Richard Goethe talked about Gillen having so many great values but just what are they so Rana you're not suggesting that we actually run an election and have like a big six week plus (sighs) campaign for this role (laughs) Uh, I think I am now, but but I also want to combine it with some kind of talent search vibes because I think that's more AFL. So like an Australian (laughs) Idol kind of. Yeah, with buzzers like The Voice. Get it all in there. I think um, Richard (laughs) Hines once said, or maybe it was Jake Nile, I can't remember, called um, the AFL the Vatican at the Docklands. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel Uh, like... I feel like it's more likely that we'll have a brown-faced female Prime Minister before we'd have a brown-faced female AFL CEO. Mm. I actually find this funny when we say, oh, when will we get a female um, AFL CEO? I think when will we get a female president? When will we get the second female prime minister? I mean, honestly, Mm. it's when we're not having these conversations anymore, that will be a legacy, right? I don't know whose legacy it's going to be, but that is going to be a legacy. That is going to make us feel stuff when we're not even having to have this conversation about can we pop some different names in the box? Is it that when they choose the next pope, it's when the smoke comes out? Is that, am Mm -hmm. I right? When the fireworks pop out at Marvel Stadium, we'll know. By the way, they could use all that old AFLX memorabilia for, you know, that big, like, wavy guy, like something they could just, like, pin it to the top of Marvel Stadium. (laughs) That's how we know. Those LED LED goalposts that I think cost more than an AFLW player earned for, like, (laughs) three seasons we could just like (laughs) parade one of those through town can I just say though if Brendan Gale did get it I really don't think he will I'd love to see it but how hard would that be going from being so entrenched in your club to suddenly being the CEO of the whole thing he'd have to do some kind of lobotomy or something to do the job maybe but I mean Emma's right in terms of like if we're talking about someone who loves the game he loves the game and he loves Tassie and if Tassie's going to get a team no better person to be honest to be leading that next generation I mean this might be just me 
but in terms of part, obviously he's a Richmond person, but also part of that was making a team really strong and then and then he can move on to do something else. I think he'd do an amazing job, but I'm sure there are many other people that would do an amazing job whose names we're not hearing and I'd also love to hear about them, but we'll see, hey. It's going to be exciting to see what Gil does next as well because, you know, there's been a lot of uh, conversation about how the jobs that he's been offered by Crownbet and other um, sports betting agencies that had so many zeros at the end of that salary in, in the whispers that we've been hearing. I feel, do you feel like if he was to go to a sports betting agency or something after this that we'd all go, oh, we knew that we were getting, you know, like it kind of feels like. Primed. It, yeah, we're getting primed. Like it would feel, it would somehow make it feel even dirtier that the gambling is all over this. It's, like, it definitely. Would. It definitely would, but if he was to go to the Red Cross, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe he'll head up Guide Dogs Association of Victoria. <laughs> well, there's an opening, so that would be good. There is an opening. <laughs> He'd play with puppies for 12 months, then go on to sports bet. That's how you do it. Yeah, that's it. Totally. And, like, will we see him? I've n- I don't know if we've ever seen this, but then will we see him wearing a scarf? I'd like to see him getting to be a fan. I mean, imagine watching the Tigers with Peggy next year in the outer. She's done her mm. amazing job to this club. She's made us so much better. She's given us so much. And then you get to have a pie with her in the outer and watch the footy. I mean, that's what you want. You want from your CEO to still love the game when they finish and the game to still be alive. And I think part of the job and part of the legacy with a big, big beat like the like Australian rules football is if you didn't stuff it up and it's not broken you'd probably did a pretty good job and there's been a there's been some big issues yeah. along the way but it's still a game it's still it's we're still here I'm still watching it I'm still crying when that GoPro kid kicked some goals that's a pretty good legacy mm. and we're seeing Eddie Betts taking speckies in the outer yeah <laughs> Well, not in the outer in in the in community footy I think it's much more likely that we will see people with a CV and it says like played 200 games for Accenture, played 350 <laughs> games for KPMG. <laughs> and I've got to be really honest, you know that all those places, I don't know what they do. I don't know what they are. I thought they Nobody were accountants. Does. But they just finance. like people who know something about money. They're money people, right? Yeah. Mm. It feels like another. Apologies to anyone listening who works. <laughs> who for works KPMG for money? <laughs> I'm sorry. Who works for if big you make money. a salary, I'm apologizing. <laughs> Big money corporations. <laughs> Who's your left of field pick, though? I'm, I've been trying to think about who would I love in there that's just so. Apart from you. <laughs> <laughs> God help us if that ever happens. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see Katesia mm. up there one day. Love to see an AFL run by Katesia. I just don't move in those circles where there's those money people. Like, I feel like it's those big business people who, like, you know. I don't know, maybe the woman who invented Spanx. I bloody love oh, her. I've watched her masterclass twice. Idea. She's a real innovator. <laughs> maybe Sam Moston. But yeah. I think it'd be a step backwards for Sam Moston. Yeah. 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 I do feel I people that I'm the most happy for, to be honest, are his family. When he talked about it being a seven day a week job, which it absolutely is, getting to watch his kids, you know, at their sport, just kinda went, Oh yeah. I'm quite happy for them to get their dad back. There's nothing better mm. seeking from yeah. experience than getting your dad back from footy. So it's awesome. Awesome. Footy brat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think we came to any conclusions, but I really enjoyed having the conversation. You're always the smartest people in the Zoom and it's always a pleasure being in the Zoom with you. Before we get out of here, just an update on the AFLW uh, Season 7. There was an article on the ABC website yesterday. It looks like the holdup is because the CBA hasn't been signed off. So the decision making is lying in between the PA, which is with the players and also with the AFL. So I think I did speak to the AFL yesterday and they're eager to be able to make an announcement, but there's still ducks getting put in a row. And I actually don't know how this potential broadcast deal feeds into whether or not they want to make a decision on the CBA before that's locked off. I I think it might be for the years that that happen after it. So I don't really know, but I, I mean, I think that everyone can agree that it's not an ideal situation. Really tricky when the players are taking to Twitter. We'll keep asking questions and we'll hopefully have an answer for you. Um, We never really get an exclusive, so you'll probably hear it somewhere else first, but you'll certainly hear it here when it finally um, gets announced. Guys, what are the odds that we'll find out when the season starts before the season starts? I don't know. I don't do odds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, was there any other um, final business anyone wanted to dish up? I just wanted to say how awesome it was to see the news about Erin Phillips today and that is because it made me feel something. And a little quote, something that she said about going to Port Adelaide was that as a kid growing up, all I wanted was to be like dad and play football for the Port Adelaide Football Club. Port Adelaide feels like home to me. And that is beautiful. That is for people that love the stories around football. It's a massive story that Erin will be leaving the Crows after 46 games and a gazillion medals and cups <laughs> and honours and going to Port Adelaide. We should probably have started that with a warning to our Adelaide listening fans, um, including Kate Sear, but sorry, it's awesome. Your three premiership cups will probably keep you warm at night though. Yeah. Loz Arnell <laughs> and Aaron Phillips at Port Adelaide. I'm sorry, but oh. I'm in. I'm Pears in on them. Shut up and take Pears my money. for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Pairs for everyone. I just wanted to say best of luck to the two of you, Emma and Lucy, who are about to embark on, what is this, number four? Is this the mm. fourth cohort of Making the Call? You both were on the news, Lucy. You were talking to the cameras and everything. <laughs> Media Street, look at you. Uh, I'm just so thrilled to see a fourth batch of women being pushed through this pathway program, um, a very diverse group. It's very exciting and I can't wait to see where they all land, but just congratulations on yet another program. Thanks, Rana, and thanks yeah. for your support. Oh, yeah, always. thank you. You're on our advisory committee and Tess is one of our mentors, so we like to keep it in the family. <laughs> Nepotism. <laughs> We're just like the Ava. <laughs> we make like Daddy Gill. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been great talking to you all today. It's time for us to get out of here. There's only one thing left to say and that is... Go, go footy! footy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.